0: Chapter Three of Les Miserables Translated by Isabel F. Hapgood This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Melissa. Les Miserables by Victor Hugo. Book Two The Fall. Chapter Three The Heroism of Passive Obedience The door opened. It opened wide with a rapid movement, as though someone had given it an energetic and resolute push. A man entered. We already know the man. It was the wayfarer whom we have seen wandering about in search of shelter. He entered, advanced a step, and halted, leaving the door open behind him. He had his knapsack on his shoulders, his cudgel in his hand, a rough, audacious, weary, and violent expression in his eyes. The fire on the hearth lighted him up. He was hideous. It was a sinister apparition. Madame Magliori had not even the strength to utter a cry. She trembled and stood with her mouth wide open. Mademoiselle Baptistine turned round beheld the man entering, and half started up in terror. Then, turning her head by degrees towards the fireplace again, she began to observe her brother, and her face became once more profoundly calm and serene. The bishop fixed a tranquil eye on the man. As he opened his mouth, doubtless to ask the newcomer what he desired, the man rested both hands on his staff, directed his gaze at the old man and the two women, and without waiting for the bishop to speak, he said, in a loud voice, See here, my name is Jean Valjean. I am a convict from the galleys. I have passed nineteen years in the galleys. I was liberated four days ago, and am on my way to Pontarlier, which is my destination. I have been walking for four days since I left Toulon. I have traveled a dozen leagues today on foot. This evening, when I arrived in these parts, I went to an inn, and they turned me out because of my yellow passport, which I had shown at the town hall. I had to do it. I went to an inn. They said to me, Be off, at both places. No one would take me. I went to the prison. The jailer would not admit me. I went into a dog's kennel. The dog bit me and chased me off, as though he had been a man. No one would have said that he knew who I was. I went into the fields, intending to sleep in the open air beneath the stars. There were no stars. I thought it was going to rain, and I re-entered the town, to seek the recess of a doorway. Yonder, in the square, I meant to sleep on a stone bench. A good woman pointed out your house to me and said, "'Knock there.' "'I have knocked. What is this place? Do you keep an inn? I have money, savings, one hundred and nine francs, fifteen sous, which I earned in the galleys by my labor in the course of nineteen years. I will pay. What is that to me? I have money. I am very weary, twelve leagues on foot. I am very hungry. Are you willing that I should remain?' "'Madame Macleory said the bishop, "'you will set another place.' The man advanced three paces and approached the lamp which was on the table. "'Stop!' he resumed, as though he had not quite understood. "'That's not it. "'Did you hear? "'I'm a galley-slave, a convict. "'I come from the galleys.' He drew from his pocket a large sheet of yellow paper, which he unfolded. "'Here's my passport. "'Yellow, as you see.' This serves to expel me from every place where I go. Will you read it? I know how to read. I learned in the galleys. There is a school there for those who choose to learn. Hold, this is what they put on this passport: Jean Valjean, convicted convict, native of-that is nothing to you-has been nineteen years in the galleys, five years for housebreaking and burglary, fourteen years for having attempted to escape on four occasions he is a very dangerous man there everyone has cast me out are you willing to receive me is this an inn will you give me something to eat and a bed have you a stable madame Magliori, said the bishop you will put white sheets on the bed in the alcove we have already explained the character of the two women's obedience madame Magliori retired to execute these orders the bishop turned to the man. Sit down, sir, and warm yourself. We are going to sup in a few moments, and your bed will be prepared while you are supping. At this point, the man suddenly comprehended. The expression on his face, up to that time, somber and harsh, bore the imprint of stupefaction, of doubt, of joy, and became extraordinary. He began stammering like a crazy man, really what you will keep me you do not drive me forth a convict you call me sir you do not address me as thou get out of here you dog is what people always say to me i felt sure that you would expel me so i told you at once who i am oh what a good woman that was who directed me hither i am going to sup a bed with a mattress and sheets like the rest of the world a bed It nineteen years since i have slept in a bed you actually do not want me to go you are good people besides i have money i will pay well pardon me monsieur the innkeeper but what is your name i will pay anything you ask you are a fine man you are an innkeeper are you not i am replied the bishop a priest who lives here a priest replied the man oh what a fine priest "'then you are not going to demand any money of me? "'You are the curé, are you not? "'The curé of this big church? "'Well, I am a fool, truly. "'I had not perceived your school cap.' "'As he spoke, he deposited his knapsack and his cudgel in a corner, "'replaced his passport in his pocket, and seated himself. "'Mademoiselle Baptistine gazed mildly at him. "'He continued, "'You are humane, Monsieur le curé.' you have not scorned me a good priest is a very good thing then you do not require me to pay no said the bishop keep your money how much have you did you not tell me one hundred and nine franc and fifteen sous added the man one hundred and nine franc fifteen sous and how long did it take you to earn that nineteen years nineteen years The bishop sighed deeply. The man continued, "'I have still the whole of my money. "'In four days I have spent only twenty-five sous, "'which I earned by helping unload some wagons at Grasse. "'Since you are an abbé, "'I will tell you that we had a chaplain in the galleys, "'and one day I saw a bishop there. "'Monseigneur is what they call him. "'He was the bishop of Mahore at Marseilles. "'He is the curé who rules over the other curés, you understand.' Pardon me, I say that very badly, but it's such a far-off thing to me. You understand what we are. He said masses in the middle of the galleys, on an altar. He had a pointed thing made of gold on his head. It glittered in the bright light of midday. We were all ranged in lines on the three sides, with cannons with lighted matches facing us. We could not see very well. He spoke, but he was too far off, and we did not hear. THAT IS WHAT A BISHOP IS LIKE. WHILE HE WAS SPEAKING, THE BISHOP HAD GONE AND SHUT THE DOOR, WHICH HAD REMAINED WIDE OPEN. Madame Magliori RETURNED. SHE BROUGHT A SILVER FORK AND SPOON, WHICH SHE PLACED ON THE TABLE. Madame Magliori, SAID THE BISHOP, PLACE THOSE THINGS AS NEAR THE FIRE AS POSSIBLE. AND TURNING TO HIS GUEST, THE NIGHT WIND IS HARSH ON THE ALPS. YOU MUST BE COLD, SIR. EVERY TIME THAT HE UTTERED THE WORD SIR, in his voice, which was so gently grave and polished, the man's face lighted up. Monseigneur to a convict is like a glass of water to one of the shipwrecked of the Medusa. Ignomy thirsts for consideration. This lamp gives a very bad light, TO the bishop. Madame Magliori understood him and went to get the two silver candlesticks from the chimney piece in Monseigneur's bedchamber and placed them lighted on the table. Monsieur le curé, said the man, you are good, you do not despise me, you receive me into your house, you light your candles for me, yet I have not concealed from you whence I come, and that I am an unfortunate man. The bishop, who was sitting close to him, gently touched his hand. You could not help telling me who you were. This is not my house, it is the house of Jesus Christ." THIS door DOES NOT DEMAND OF HIM WHO ENTERS WHETHER HE HAS A NAME, BUT WHETHER HE HAS A GRIEF. YOU SUFFER. YOU ARE HUNGRY AND THIRSTY. YOU ARE WELCOME. AND DO NOT THANK ME. DO NOT SAY THAT I RECEIVE YOU IN MY HOUSE. NO ONE IS AT HOME HERE, EXCEPT THE MAN WHO NEEDS A REFUGE. I SAY TO YOU, WHO ARE PASSING BY, THAT YOU ARE MUCH MORE AT HOME THAN I AM MYSELF. EVERYTHING HERE IS YOURS what need have I to know your name? Besides, before you told me, you had one which I knew. The man opened his eyes in astonishment. Really? You knew what I was called? Yes, replied the bishop. You are called my brother. Stop, Monsieur le Cure!" exclaimed the man. I was very hungry when I entered here, but you are so good. That I no longer know what has happened to me. The bishop looked at him and said, You have suffered much. Oh! The red coat, the ball on the ankle, a plank to sleep on, heat, cold, toil, the convicts, the thrashings, the double chain for nothing, the cell for one word, even sick and in bed, still the chain. Dogs, dogs are happier. Nineteen years. I am forty-six now there is the yellow passport that is what it is like yes resumed the bishop you have come from a very sad place listen there will be more joy in heaven over the tear bathed face of a repentant sinner than over the white robes of a hundred just men if you emerge from that sad place with thoughts of hatred and of wrath against mankind you are deserving of pity. If you emerge with thoughts of good will and of peace, you are more worthy than any one of us. In the meantime, Madame Magliori had served supper, soup made with water, oil, bread, and salt, a little bacon, a bit of mutton, figs, a fresh cheese, and a large loaf of rye bread. She had, of her own accord, added to the bishop's ordinary fare a bottle of his old mauve wine the bishop's face at once assumed that expression of gaiety which is peculiar to hospitable natures to table he cried vivaciously as was his custom when a stranger supped with him he made the man sit on his right mademoiselle baptistine perfectly peaceable and natural took her seat at his left the bishop asked a blessing then helped the soup himself, according to his custom. The man began to eat with avidity. All at once the bishop says, It strikes me there is something missing on this table. Madame Magliori had, in fact, only placed the three sets of forks and spoons which were absolutely necessary. Now it was the usage of the house, when the bishop had anyone to supper, to lay out the whole six sets of silver on the tablecloth in innocent ostentation this graceful semblance of luxury was a kind of child's play which was full of charm in that gentle and severe household which raised poverty into dignity madame magliori understood the remark went out without saying a word and a moment later the three sets of silver forks and spoons demanded by the bishop were glittering upon the cloth symmetrically arranged before the three persons seated at the table End of Book 2, Chapter 3, Recording by Melissa